The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. Now we are in John chapter 8. Before we start, I have to address an issue. Because some of you are going to accuse me of skipping part of the Bible. Okay? I need to discuss with you why I am not addressing 753 through 811, known as the woman caught in adultery. So I'm not going to try to be overly academic here, but I want you to understand before I start reading what I'm going to read, which is, which is 752, jump to 812, down to 24. Um, first of all, our oldest manuscripts of the New Testament of John do not contain this parochopy, this section. All right? I can go through all the papyri if you want. I don't think you do. Oh, and I had it on a flash drive, and actually an image was called Papyri 66, and I labeled the verse in Greek. It's old papyri, and you could see where it just goes from there to there. All right? And, and so... What we do have of those documents, old documents, we don't see this parochopy showing up here, particularly, until the 4th century A.D. We do have some testament to it in the 3rd century by early church fathers. In the sense they might refer to it in some way, Okay? But we don't find it actually in the text. And people can debate that. If you want particular reading on that, because some of you might, the, a purpose who want, tends to argue for its insertion in this place is uh, Rogers and Farstead in New Testament according to the majority text. Second edition, Nashville, 1985. Okay, I actually have that. I actually had a PDF. Um, I can't share it with you because of copyright issues, but if you want to read that. One that tends to say, mm, you probably shouldn't be here in this spot, uh, Bruce Medzger in the textual commentary of the Greek New Testament, second edition, 2006. Okay, so I've done significant reading on this. Um, the historical evidence, that's why I refer to those fathers. As a matter of fact, it shows up in the Latin church fathers of that 4th century, 3rd century. Only one Greek one. And that's Didymus the Blind. Anyway, I don't know you don't know who he is. Um, all right? But then there's internal evidence. That is, um, every verse but verse 5 in this particular section, the vocabulary is found nowhere else in the book of John. So in other words, John just changes all the words he uses right there. Okay? And then there's this whole idea of the flow, and you'll see what I mean by that when I, how verse 12 flows right with 752 and people goes boom, boom, right to it. But when, when they do look at these old documents, the story, and the ones that the story is in, several, the story's not here. Some have it at the end of Luke, some have it at the end of John, some have it in other places of John. So most scholars, and I am one of them, this is a biblical true story, okay? It's just where it fit into the context, they're not certain, 
Okay? So once we get to... And, and Papyrus 66 in particular covers most of the book of John. We have Papyrus for most of the book of John, and this isn't in there. Okay? But it could have been at the end or at the end of Luke on that one. All right? But it doesn't seem to fit perfectly, or I even think very well, in this particular, it sort of jumps, and you'll see why I say that in this section. We will address it, just not right here. Okay, I'm not saying it's not Scripture. Don't do that. What I'm saying is I don't think it fits here, and it isn't just because I don't think so. We have all kinds of those other evidences, okay? And particularly, that flow deals with is the Messiah from Galilee, all right? And direct links between 815, 727 and 28, 821 with 733 and 36. They're very linked together, almost the same wording. But in the middle of this, you have this thing where they change all the words. So now we will read the text again, John 7, 52. Then we jump to, actually I'll start in verse 50 to give it a context. And then we'll jump to chapter 8. Verse 12, John 7, starting in verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, remember that was John 3, who was one of them, that is the scribes and the Pharisees, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And they replied, that is the scribes and the Pharisees, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. All right? So just so you know, right here, it says everybody goes home, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, and then you have the story of the woman caught in adultery. Right? But you'll see the flow. And again, now in verse 12 of chapter 8, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself, so your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I am going. That's directly linked to chapter 7, 27 and verses 27 and 28. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the, uh, that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and my Father who sent me bears witness to me. And they said to him, Where is your Father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury, or the court of women, as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come, a direct statement from chapter 7. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me. A direct statement from chapter 7, verse 33 and 36. And you will die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. Hmm. 
So Jesus, they, the Jews said, so will he kill himself? And he said to them, you are from below, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you you will die in your sin unless you believe that I am he. You will die in your sins, you may be seated. <coughs> so those of you that have been in Wednesday night Bible studies, which doesn't start back up till September, I'm going to make a few what's called inductive observations, not very many, just a few for you to get a grasp of some things that happens here. First of all, Jesus uses the first person pronoun, I, me, myself, so on, 49 times in this chapter. What's the focus of this chapter? Jesus, unless you believe I am he, he's the focus. But he also refers to the Father 11 times. There are themes here in chapter 8 that are found throughout John's gospel. For example, when Jesus talks about he does nothing on his own authority, he's talked about that idea 10 other times into the gospel, in the gospel of John. Then this idea of a testimony, this is the testimony of John. That's back in chapter 1. 14 times, in particular, chapter 1, 3, and 5. This idea that Jesus is the light of the world, of course, that's in chapter 1, 2. There's 14 times that this theme is in John. This is the big one, though. The one who sent me. That is 34 times in the book of John. Jesus wanted everyone to know who sent him. These themes are strong here in chapter 8. They're themes that are throughout the book of John. Okay? Now, why do I bring these observations up? Because I think it's important when we look at a text, we also look at it in its whole. What's the main point? So one of the things John always says, and this sign, and this sign, and this. So there's these seven signs he gives to support the witness of Jesus, the Father, the Spirit, and John the Baptist. Okay? And, and the key to that is that the Father has sent Jesus. Okay? So we can look at those as a whole as we break these down a piece at a time. So we begin again in 750 where Nicodemus, who's one of the Pharisees. Now, the, let me give that in context, though. Okay? Um, these people were wanting to arrest Jesus, have him killed because of his claims. They sent some soldiers to arrest him. This, they don't because this guy says amazing things. Okay? And right here, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, which the uh, room, I'll call that, the, the, the room that the Pharisees, the, the Sanhedrin would meet in, is just up the stairs from the court of women. So if you're in this court of women where the treasury is, there's all these offerings where most likely Jesus saw the woman, put the widow mites in. You go up these 15 stairs, and just to the left is this room of the, the Sadducees, or excuse me, the Sanhedrin, would meet. Thus, the scribes and the Pharisees are there. Even if they're not sitting right in front of them, they could hear him. We've talked about that before, okay? And so, they're, why aren't you guys arresting him? And that's where Nicodemus says, wait a minute, wait a minute, a minute. You don't just convict a guy. You have a hearing and have witnesses. And they said to this, are you from Galilee too? Why did they say that? If you recall the context, up at chapter 7, 
41 and 43 that the people are hearing about Jesus. They're in consternation about who he is. And they're going, wait a minute, he's from Galilee. And the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee. He comes from the city of David. And Jesus goes, uh, you think you know where I come from, but you really don't. Both heavenly and naturally, they didn't know that he was actually born in Bethlehem. They just seen coming from Nazareth. That's why they look at Nicodemus. Are you a Galilean too? So they haven't put the connection together that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Okay? But as I pointed out before, they should have because of Isaiah chapter 9. You know chapter 9 from Chris, from Chris. That's chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a Savior is given. And yada, yada, and came on his shoulders, and he'll sit on the throne of his father David. Right? You've seen that on the Christmas cards if you don't read it. You forget that in the first part, verse 1 and 2 of Isaiah 9, in earlier times he treated the land of Zerubbabel, the land of Nephetary, which is Galilee. Okay? He will make it glorious by way of the sea on the side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now listen carefully. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine upon them. So the context in chapter 8 here of Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world, is them thinking that that guy doesn't come from Galilee. You see how I, that, this part of 8 and 7 is very tied together. So Jesus once again says to them, all right, again Jesus spoke to them saying, now listen, you're supposed to know the scripture, guys. I am that light of the world, if I can say it like that. Whoever follows me, listen, will not walk in darkness. Let me say this again. I'm going to go back to Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness, Jesus says, these people won't walk in darkness. He's saying he is the one that Isaiah spoke of. All right? This is where I, I would suggest that that parochopy about the woman caught in adultery sort of just throws this whole thing in a mess, in a sense. I mean, we, you can still work it, but Jesus is still referring to what was happening right before that. According to this, the portion of a woman called her, it's, it says, and the, the feast is over, everybody went home, Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, the next day he comes in. If we, if we put that aside, he's continuing the conversation he's been having. So he spoke to them again about where he's from. Okay? But we'll have the light of life. Okay? So Jesus is again responding to their confusion about where he's from. Okay? This is one of the, the second of seven I am's. Now, Jesus says, says different things. He uses the, the phrase I am, but there's a particular Greek and Hebrew syntax in which this takes place that we know a difference between he's saying, I am, okay, and then an, I am six feet tall. We don't know how tall he was, but I'm using that for an example, okay, or I am hungry. He's not using, he's not calling on the, the name at that point of Jehovah of the Old Testament. Here he is. We saw it earlier when he says, I am the bread of life. Now he is the light of life. 
There he was, the bread of life. Remember the problem they had when he was talking about that? Hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, oh, I don't like that, I'm leaving. Okay, let me suggest it, and I suggested when we read it. What he means, it's, it's all or nothing when it comes to me. You can't halfway do it. You've got to participate completely with me, okay? So now he's saying he is the light of life. Again, we want to think, as you heard me talk to the kids, that eternal life. But it's more than that because he uses the word walk. That's what you're doing right now. Walk was an idiom, euphemism for living, being. If you walk in the flesh, you don't walk in the spirit, Paul uses the same thing. Okay? So, so that's the idea. This is not just speaking about some eternal life. If you walk in the light, you're not walking in darkness. If you're living in the light, you're not living in the darkness. And I am that life for men, humanity. We'll get to 1 John 1, 5, who says God is light. We'll go to that, and it does use the word walk again. All right, so we get to verse 14, okay, because these people are claiming, he's t- you're the light of life. Well, that's you. you. You just say that. That was verse 13, okay? You're very witness to yourself. Your testimony isn't true. Just because you say you're the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy doesn't make it so. You can say that, but there's nobody to prove it. That's what they're saying. We've already ran into this in chapter 5. Okay? Jesus answered, even if I, don't, if I do bear witness to myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I'm from or where I'm going. So again, in chapter 5, Jesus did this. They, they claimed the same thing when he claimed to be God and they wanted to kill him. He presents witnesses on his behalf. He says, man, you, you, you can't convict me on one witness. You've got to have more. And he goes to his witnesses, John the Baptist, his works done by the authority of God. And then the father's own testimony, particularly in relation to his baptism. This is my son. And who, okay, so, so I've got three witnesses. But what's interesting here is when he first starts out, he says, if I bear witness myself, it is true. Even if I don't have other witnesses. Why? Because I know who I am. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. That's why he could say, I am, the tetragrammaton, the, the I am of Exodus, the light of the world. That's why he can say that. Now, these guys don't catch it. You notice they don't confront that like earlier. Okay. But he's already mentioned his witnesses here. I know who I am, and what I'm saying is true. There are many people who want to say many things that Jesus said about himself simply isn't true. So they have a hard time. Well, I can believe there was this guy that came along, but this claiming to be the same with God the Father. I, I don't buy that. Remember, that's why these people are wanting to kill him. He made himself equal with God. That was chapter 5. Okay? They want to kill him. He goes to Galilee, spends a good amount of time, more than a year in Galilee, comes back, right? He comes back for this festival, so he's back here. 11 months, I think, is the total time. 
I know where I come from and where I'm going. Jesus said that same thing in chapter 7, 27 and 28. And where I'm going, you can't go. Well, what does he mean by that? Is he, is he going out to the Gentiles? This time they say, yeah, maybe he's thinking about knocking himself off, killing himself. They don't get it. All right? You don't really know where I came from. Now, Jesus knows where he came from both. He literally knows he was born in Bethlehem, the physical side. I, I know you guys are confused because you think the, the Messiah, the Messiah, comes only from the city of David. You, you're missing the whole Isaiah thing, and you don't know I was born there. He knows that, so that he knows. But he also knows his origin, ultimate origin, in eternity past, in the glory of his Father. You judge according to the flesh, verse 15, and I judge no one. Please don't let anybody take that out of context. Well, Jesus didn't judge people. Jesus, I judge no one. You can't judge me. Ah, no, no, you got to put up what he's saying. I don't judge anyone by myself. Yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for, I, for it is not I alone who judge, but my Father who sent me. Okay. So he might be testifying about himself, but he's not testifying by himself alone. The Father testifies. The one who sent me also says what I'm saying, if you will, is true. So I got two witnesses. I'm not, he's not going through that whole thing of all the witnesses before. All right? But when I say it, it isn't just me saying it. When I say it, the Father's saying it. Now you know why these guys contend. Now notice Jesus only tends to do that with the scribes and the Pharisees. When he was there in chapter 5, he does it, okay? He doesn't do this to the crowd so much, but he tends to do it to these religious people claiming this equality, okay? Verse 19, and they said, therefore, so their response to this, well, okay, who's your pop? That's my paraphrase. Who is your father? Now listen to this indictment, though. You know neither me nor my father. Let me put it this way. If you don't know who I am, you sure don't know who the father is. If you knew me, you would know the father. Boy, if there's statements for the hypostatic union, man, it's right there. See, a lot of people don't like these statements that Jesus makes. They, they want to throw out his complete deity. He was just a good guy, a good prophet, taught some good things of how to behave, was a good example. Not that he and the Father are one, even though he says, I and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am. That's one of those other I am's, by the way. How can that be, they say, because you're only so old? They don't get it. This is, again, if you, you don't know me, you don't know the Father, he says the same thing to him in chapter 7, verse 28. Him you do not know. This is continuing on with this same thing. Now, John, writing his gospel, wants to make sure he reminds us here now. It seems this parenthetical statement in verse 20. Now, these things he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him for his hours as they did not come. He's telling us, here he is again. Remember, in chapter 7, that's one of the problems the crowd had. 
Wait a minute. He claimed to be God before they wanted to kill him. Now here he is teaching in a public place during the Feast of Tabernacles. They're not stopping him. Maybe they think he's the Messiah. And they start talking about, is he prophet? Is he staying the truth? This is still part of that. Okay? So he's reminding us. This is in that same place where he was teaching before. In a public place he's saying these things. And they're not arresting him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. I know, I know these guys were religious leaders who thought they were in charge. <laughs> Sorry, you can try to arrest him if you want. At one point, he'll just disappear and walk through the crowd. Make sure the guards don't do what you sent them to do because his hour had not yet come. Now, the next time when he gets back all the way around another to the Passover, that's different. That's the triumphal entry, and it is his hour. But you guys think you're in charge. John said, John's going, you guys thought, but his hour had not come. You could do what you want. He's going to teach peace publicly, but you're not going to stop him. So he said to them again, remember, I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. Well, who's your father then? Dresses that. And he again said, I am going away, and you will seek me. Now, earlier he said, you'll seek me and not find me. Okay? You won't be able to find me. You will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Did you catch that? You will seek me, but you will die in your sin. So what determines that you don't? That you're seeking him, right? Where I am going, you cannot come. Lack the ability to come. said the same thing in 7, 33 through 36. That's when the Jews go, what? Okay, we can't go if he kills himself because we won't do that because that's a sin. They, they don't want to do that. Right? I, to them, that's a, all right. But Jesus continues his indictment, really doesn't address their statement that he's going to, they're going to kill himself. He continues his indictment. Earlier, you don't know me, and you don't know the Father. Here, you are from below. I am from above. Contrast. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you will die in your sin. I'm going to ask you a question. Did they have an option then? Yeah, no, no, they still have. No, I'm sorry. When, God, when Jesus says it, it is. All right. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die. Let me tell you why you're dying in your sin. Because you don't believe I'm him. Who him? The guy from Isaiah. You, you don't believe I'm that guy. Because then you get in the whole thing about him being the son, and then you have the suffering Messiah, and they don't want to believe in a suffering Messiah. So we just retranslate that or interpret that another way because it doesn't fit with our presuppositions. So I know you're going to die in your sin because you'd have to believe that I'm he, and you don't. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's Unchanging Word.